I was thinking about um, all the episodes I've recorded so far. I think I've recorded seven or eight that I've counted. And um, originally I wanted to (laughs) post the one that you and I re-recorded first, but it was, it's so serious that I was also thinking maybe I'll post this first. I don't know. Cause what we wanted to talk about today was, you know, top 10 films, but we can also talk about anything because there was some other stuff from one of our conversations and maybe it's just what we talk about on our own that I remember thinking about. Like I I remember thinking about when we were talking about uh, what it's like to be an actor in LA since you've spent so much time there and you'll be going back there soon and uh, talking about (laughs) how every guy thinks that they're going to be Leonardo DiCaprio. I've heard it so much, (laughs) especially when they're talking to girls like, yeah, I'll be the next Leonardo DiCaprio. I was like, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I would, I, you know, uh, oh, there goes my mumbling again. Uh, uh, it's my biggest pet peeve when I listen back to some of these clips. Uh, but uh, it's funny because even though LA has some of those stereotypes, like what we were just talking about, uh, some of, you know, everyone thinks they're going to be a star and mm-hmm. there's fake people here and there. I also like genuinely want to get back down there because I there's to me, there's still like some magic down there and there's, you know, people there who genuinely want to work hard and make cool shit. And, uh, and even though I think the industry is probably going to change and not be so centralized, I still think like, you know, the history is there. It would yeah. be exciting to spend more time there. You must be excited to be headed back there. Very excited. I mean, besides my all my roots and my family and friends all there um, and the weather. Um, and your basketball yeah. squad. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited. Um, it's honestly home. I feel I feel uh, a kind of a comfort level. Um, I think driving or like taking trains around New York to do auditions would be so like so um my like rattling for me that i mm. honestly i i've gone on like maybe 400 auditions uh in la and i just know like just how to drive and how to deal with the traffic and just you know having that expectation and it kind of, it quote unquote helped me i never fucking booked anything but um, <laughs> but um yeah it's just just it's more of a comfort level um and yeah, yeah there are some really cool people a lot of good filming locations and um yeah. obviously a lot of studios if i ever make it that big so yeah very exciting and the weather the weather is very nice i will it's on my to-do list i've been covid kind of pushed that all back i like i think 2020 one of my plans was to make a trip down there just to like check it out and like get an airbnb and maybe i'll do that in the next year maybe i'll try and time it when i know you're down there well when i'm down there you should just uh, we have a guest room so you can stay with us sounds good <laughs> deal yeah. oh, for a year <laughs> <laughs> well let's do let's uh we can talk but let's do this uh i want to get into this top 10 thing um just for fun let's get this out of the way um, what we're doing what's that you want to break it down what we're doing yeah absolutely so we're okay so we're doing our top 10 films um by any sort of criteria because it's not 
Yeah, it doesn't have to be the greatest films ever made. No, no, no. these aren't our top ten movies. These are our favorite movies. Sure. Well, what in whatever whatever your criteria is, your top ten favorite or most influential, or you've watched them the most. Because okay. I think that's what that, I did. I watched them the most, and I will continue to keep watching them. That is a factor for me because if I were to say, like, there are a good example is, um, like. 12 years a slave you see that i i have n- i have not um <laughs> i have not been in the men- right mental state to put myself okay. through that. <laughs> my, my point exactly phenomenal <laughs> film it won the oscar what who knows a couple years ago and i couldn't you know i couldn't get myself to watch it for a while because it was yeah same thing i was like ah that's that's gonna be heavy i need to wait and sure enough i watched it it was really heavy it was amazing i don't I don't know if I'm going to ever watch it again. again. (laughs) I I know exactly what you're talking about. Or another good example is Requiem for a Dream. You ever see that film? No, I never heard of it. Oh, that fucked me up. That was... Oh, it does mess people a lot. It it fucks you up. It's a brilliant film, but I don't think I'll... I might watch it again someday, and maybe I'm older and it won't, like, freak me out as much. But even when I watched it, I think I was, like, 24, 25, and it was just, like... Oh my gosh. I mean, it was just, it was great filmmaking, but it was just, I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to watch that a lot. So some, yeah. some of the films on my list are, you know, they are not going to be considered the greatest films of all time, but they mean something to me. And uh, it sounds like that is a similar criteria for you. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and we also, and, uh... <laughs> we also have some honorable mentions, right? Cause like there's so much that's not on my list where like, you feel uh, bad, right? <laughs> there, there's yeah, there's like four or five honorable mentions that I I'm gonna have to throw in there as well. Um, you want to start with the honorable mentions? Uh, we could. What do you, what would you prefer? Would you rather start at the top and work? I did. Down? I did mine ten to one. Like, <clears throat> okay, we we can movie, go ten to one. And my the number one is like the movie I like find myself consistently going back to. Okay, so let me just modify my list because um, uh, I'll, I'll do mine and I'll do that in reverse order too. And so let's do some honorable mention. Um, oh, and uh, I, you know I'll put your name in the description for this episode. But if if none of you know who James Haley is, he's uh. <laughs> One of the best guys I've ever met. We, oh. we went to college together at UC Irvine. We met um, we met freshman year when I was uh, trying to pursue Doris Garcia. I had a crush on her, and then I, I I went to I I met up with her at her her dorms, and that's where you were living. And then we uh, eventually I <laughs> cut my losses. Couldn't couldn't win over Doris. And hung out with you, and <laughs> we used to Played tear it up on the, the basketball court, and uh, and then we lived together for a year in college, and uh, and now we're friends. <laughs> Best friends. Best friends. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, and he's an actor and a comedian and a filmmaker too. Well, try it. Not not as good as you, but I I, I dabble. No, you you're you're great. <laughs> And I, I was, I was involved too because I made the thumbnail right for YouTube. Yes, you did. You, you asked me did. to. It yeah. was really, it really helped. I, I honestly think that's that probably really what put cool. it over the edge. 
I, he got, it put us from uh, 400 views to 500 views. <laughs> well, hey, that's good. Um, okay, so let so we explained it. We're doing top 10 plus. So, um, I'll well, go. Well, yeah, for... and I, and I and you gotta stop me because I know these things okay. can run long. Where we can, um, well, we can do this forever. I mean. Let, let's pretend no one's actually going to listen to this and just talk however the hell we want. Okay. Sounds good. Because Sounds good. that's part of the point of this podcast is that this is just. We're just talking. We're just talking. You want me to go first? <laughs> for, for a while, it probably will just be us talking by ourselves. <laughs> I'll have you on a few times probably. Just be like, hey, you want to shoot the shit? <laughs> I need an episode here. What's, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, work. <laughs> oh man um okay i um yeah i'm just modifying my honorable mention but um i'll never have them all but you well yeah, uh, my you honorable start... mentions are in no order yeah same i th- i just want to give example let's just start talking about them because we're we're leading up to it so much so what are what uh, are some after of the your... after this break though yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll start then i'll start okay. so first of all on my top 10 list, um, I'll say, I'll say one thing that, um, you know, first of all, these are films, these are feature films. So, uh, you know, there's so much great stuff happening with, um, series now, uh, which might be on par with some of this stuff, to be honest. Uh, but also second to that, I've also become more interested in specific directors in the last few years. And there are a couple directors um, that aren't on my list. For example, Wes Anderson, Christopher Nolan, um, and then uh, some films that are not on my list, but I think are very special to me are Lord of the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy, especially if you go on YouTube and watch all the behind the scenes footage uh, that Peter Jackson posted to his YouTube channel. It's like, anyone who's interested in filmmaking will just be blown away by it. It looks like the coolest project to have ever been a part of. Um, And then also I hold in very high regard movies like Jurassic park and the Goonies, which Mm. I think the Goonies is my favorite kids movie ever, which uh, I mean, it, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's not, it didn't win an Oscar, but how many kids did that affect positively compared to some of these more artistic films that were seen by a smaller group of people and same with Jurassic Park which is just one of the greatest like tr- like uh blockbuster films you know like yeah. um and so th- those are some things on my list and then the the other yeah there's some other stuff but let I'll cut it off on there for me um uh, well, those are things that didn't make my list so what are you thinking well, let me let me comment quickly. Uh, yeah. I think Jurassic Park is <clears throat> incredible. Yeah, I I find myself rewatching that too. Um, I'll, I think a lot of it had to do with the production value and the uh, puppet puppetry and animatronics versus CGI. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the Jurassic World series; they are so incredibly bad <laughs> that it's laugh about i've audibly laughed in the movie theater probably because i was so upset i paid 10 or 15 dollars to see it but you go back to that first jurassic park yeah just 
the suspense building, the the uh, acting, um, <clears throat> and and I, I don't know, you just buy in that this is actually happening, even though the <laughs> the uh, uh, premise is so absurd. Well, and the original, um, I think the best thing about it is that they, um, you know, a large part of this goes to Steven Spielberg. They perfectly set up the whole movie where. You know, there's the scary thing at the very, very beginning, kind of like the prologue to it all, you could call it. Um, but the whole thing leading up to, you know, their uh, what's his name? Um, Ham- John Hammond, oh, yeah. uh, you know, how he goes to convince their, their you know, uh, you know, excavating dinosaur bones and then or fossils and. And then he gets them to come out on the helicopter. And it's, and so like, it really sets it up. Like, you know, you, you get the dinosaur content, but then it gets, gets you in that mindset where it's like, okay, we're in the helicopter and we're actually going to this amazing Island. And it looks, you know, I think they probably shot it in Hawaii or something like, or a similar Island. And it just like, they set up the adventure so well. Um, and I think most movies now kind of, kind of rush that a bit yeah, too much a hundred percent they like i said they they really build up and the, the kind of uh it's not the climax but the i guess the chapters climaxes really hit home because you're like it's earned um yeah and, and i don't think especially the jurassic world movies they don't earn it they they dive right in and and the dinosaurs look terrible and the acting is terrible <laughs> um but anyway well yeah and they um the they fall into the trap of uh, and this is all movies and all tv shows unfortunately they all always fall into this trap that they have to be bigger and crazier than what came before yeah and it's like you just you are going to set yourself up for failure at some point (laughs) like what's Uh, next like (laughs) dinosaurs with nuclear weapons attached to (laughs) dinosaurs in space take over the moon It's what Fast and the Furious is doing right now, and I have not watched the past like three of them. It's yeah, just I still old. need to see that one, that last one. I I saw it over a woman's shoulder, like uh, on an airplane, where I just happened to glance over at the screen in front of her, and it, I think it was Vin Diesel in a car flying through space. Uh, no, through I, space. I think they, I think they shoot a car into space to like get to a satellite or something. I'm pretty oh sure that's God. what I saw. That's wild. I could be wrong. Wait, let me look this up. Let me look this up. <laughs> I, I could be full of it. Fast and Furious Nine, and uh, I'm pretty sure that's what what's happened. Okay, I'm looking up the plot. Okay, so. Um, drop. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> uh, so someone goes to the International Space Station. That's what that does happen. I'm not going to sit here and read all this, but they go to in the space. International, they go to the International Space Station. I'm telling you, <laughs> that is wild. But, Anyways, what let, let's get back to this. What 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 else is in, what's in your uh what's in your honorable mention? Well, I'm just going to read them off and then if you want to comment on any of them, <clears throat> feel free cuz I don't really have much to say about them. Um okay. Stand by me. Mm. Um The Sandlot for my kind of kids movie. Oh yeah. 
Um, the other guys with Mark um, Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg, and fucking Will Ferrell. Yeah. Which, and I honestly think it's Will Ferrell's best movie. He plays it really grounded, and I think it's Mark Wahlberg's best comedy. He they make such a good pairing. Um, Dark Knight Rises with Bane. I did mm-hmm. not. I liked it better than Dark Knight, and I watch myself. I find myself watching Dark Knight Rises a lot more. <clears throat> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Nice. A 80s classic. Um, Friday, Ice Cube and Chris Tucker. Super bad. We saw that in the movie theater together. Oceans 11 and Oceans 13. Not Oceans 12. I felt so <laughs> betrayed by Oceans 12 and how bad it was. Yeah. Um, but Oceans 13 is actually a really fun one. It's not as great as Oceans 11, but um, it's really fun. Some really good scenes um, and uh, some really good uh, lines, some some kind of one-liners that hit hard. Any comments on any of those? <clears throat> yeah, Sandlot was so good. I watched that a ton as a kid. And your Oceans uh, picks uh, made me think of my favorite James Bond movie, which is Casino Royale. Uh, I mean, but the honorable mentions we could go on and on forever, but I do like yours. I never, I don't think I ever saw Stand By Me. Oh, it's, um, um it's which I know it's a classic. Movie. Oh, yeah, with uh, River Phoenix. Yeah, um, and it's uh, <clears throat> kind of reminds me of The Sandlot, a little more serious. Um, yeah. the thing about Sandlot that got me was at the end when they're all playing baseball and then it kind of, um, they're they, like the players fade away as they're throwing the ball and it's yeah. just like oh so-and-so went here and the so-and-so went there and that really actually really hit me hard as a kid because like i was like is this gonna happen to me like am i not because like as a kid like your friends or everything i was like are we all yeah. gonna like just not D- disappear <laughs> and lo and behold like people move away and life happens and yeah. uh, so i thought it was really a uh, poignant kind of uh ending there yeah all right. Well, now, now that we've established, was that were those your only honorable mentions? Jurassic Park and uh, Goonies. I said Lord of the Rings, and I said uh, oh, yeah. Christopher Nolan and Wes Anderson. Uh, I, uh, yeah, catalog. I, I will <laughs> say one thing that definitely changed for me was after I made uh, my first short film, I, I sort of had this revelation of how much there is besides just acting because like growing up you see the actors and that's what i mean tarantino has said this uh about himself and his now I, now i sound like i'm associating myself with tarantino <laughs> no but i think it's a common thing where you like you see movies and it's like that is all you think about is like man these these characters and these actors are amazing and uh you know that's who we as- associate ourselves with and like that's how what we associate the story with um, but then like after putting something together, it was just like, shit, like that, you know, that is an important part, but it is a part, you know? And it's like learning about cinematography and the, like the way that directors can shape scenes. And, um, I mean, it's just the, there's endless possibilities with how people tell stories and, and there's all these people involved in that on the crew side of things that is crazy and so anyways the point i'm getting to is once i started thinking more about uh once my eyes were kind of opened to all these talented types of individuals who i had never fully appreciated uh 
it started making me go back and watch a lot of different films and uh yeah christopher nolan i mean even his first film is great uh it holds up so well and he shot that thing in like the 90s on black and white 16 millimeter film and um i've rewatched all of wes anderson's stuff which it's all so quirky and you know personal to him um but anyways enough of, we need to get to get to these lists um, we really honored those mentions didn't we <laughs> <laughs> now we're just gonna fly through these lists and not even talk yeah. about them um we to start oh and i second what you were saying about dark knight rises I love Bane. Like, what a yeah. badass villain! Yeah, what a badass, and and a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, and um, I'm actually an Anne Hathaway fan. So, yeah, suck on that. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Um, what's what's your number ten? My number ten is Goodwill Hunting. Hmm. Ever heard of it? um i i watch this movie um regularly maybe twice a year um really powerful stuff really powerful scenes um uh, a really i think unique story um and just the uh i guess you know i don't want to just summarize what happened but i'll say i think Ben Affleck's character is underrated. Um, I don't know if you remember the scene where they're in the construction zone and he actually mm-hmm. calls out Matt Damon's character. It's like, hey man, like <laughs> the line is like, I'll fucking kill you if like if like you don't if you come back. Right. Uh, uh or if you're if you don't like take this seriously. Um and I guess I guess the one thing I can say is you know, maybe um that this happens a lot in life where people just don't try to do things maybe because it's of some past trauma uh, or they're afraid of failure. Um, But, you know, as I get more poignant with life, you know, what is life, but to enjoy it and and pursue what your passions are, what you're good at um, instead of just playing it safe. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I see it as a little bit of an inspiration um, and that, you know, I can go on and on. Robin Williams is great and uh some really yeah. powerful scenes. Uh yeah, and also I like to point out that I have to remind myself that uh Matt Damon's character kind of a shithead. Uh, <laughs> like this dude commits crimes over and over again. But uh you know, um uh, there's this thing I saw on Instagram it's like we're not yeah, we're not it, it's not our fault for the trauma we we go through, but it is our responsibility to get through it. Um without affecting other people's lives negatively so sure uh, what do you think any thoughts yeah i mean it's a classic um uh, yeah it's interesting because i like the film it's just never connected with me that much but i respect it a lot especially with those three because you know it was the first film i mean it's always interesting for people like us to look at how people's careers really got going and how they did their first big thing. And so I actually think about that film more in regards to, Oh, this was how 
Matt and Ben got started. That is more important to me than the actual film, honestly. And I think the fact that they were able to get Robin Williams involved uh, Incredible. was awesome. And that I think that was his first Oscar that he got. Yeah, um, it was. Which I, think I first always... What's that? I think first and only. That makes sense. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, those are my main thoughts. We... Sorry, sorry. One last thing. Yeah, uh, it, it it inspired me to experience life and to get out and travel. Um, the scene where he's calling um uh, Matt Damon's character out on the bench, where he's like, "Oh, and if I asked you about you know loss, you'd probably quote this book. But have you ever done this? Um, have you ever you know, uh, you know, I I could. It's the scene's all over YouTube. Um, you mean actually, where he's in the bar where he's talking? No, outside on the bench where um he's uh, talking to Matt Damon and oh. and he's like. And the the final line is like, do you think I know about your life because I read um, uh, Oliver Twist because you're an orphan? It's like, no, I want I need to know you and your experience. Uh, um, okay. And yeah, it's like if I, if I asked you about Michelangelo, you could probably rattle off whatever you read in a book. But have you ever, have you ever been to the Sistine Chapel? That actually inspired me to go to to the Sistine Chapel when I visited Italy. Oh, really? And, it's very beautiful and breathtaking. Took a long time to get there, but um, yeah, it is worth it. The a long walk. walk. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I've, what's your I've number never 10? Been there. Yeah. Uh, I need to go to the Sistine Chapel, by the way. Okay, number 10. You're never going to guess this. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. <laughs> That's right. For my number 10, given a slight wink and a nod. To all my gay friends out there listening. <laughs> okay. Do you know Priscilla, Queen of the Desert? I don't. I know it's like oh my gosh. an LGBTQ. Uh, it's about three not... drag queens getting in a bus and traveling halfway across Australia to do a performance. And um, yeah, when I tell <laughs> when I tell my gay friends that I like this movie, they all like it's like. You know, Are you because, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of opens the question like, uh, maybe there's more to John than I thought. Maybe there's some unanswered questions there. No, but really, so here's what I think it is, is that so, you know, the longer you live in New York and the longer you are a part of, you know, the theater community in one way or another, the more time you're going to spend in gay bars and and also most of my most of my friends in new york are part of the lgbt community and um and also as someone who has produced a bunch of concerts and cabarets almost all of them have been in in um performance spaces attached to gay bars so it's like um what I'm getting to is that that is that energy and that uh, community is just like ingrained in my life and has been for the last many years. And so I actually didn't watch this movie. Um, I don't even know why I did. I think I watched it on a whim, but I watched it during the start of COVID. And I think why it resonated with me so much is that the opening scene of the movie is in a gay bar with two drag queens performing and they just nailed it. Like it's not the best movie ever, but they nailed the feeling of this community and they nailed the feeling of 
having kind of a shit life and you're, you're juggling the, um, just how hard it is to want to be a performer, but you're not getting money by doing that. And you you're trying to finagle your life and make it work to do the thing you love. And you're shoving, you're, you're stopping your life and shoving everything into a bus to drive across the desert to do the one gig that is being offered to you. And, um, and also the whole thing is filled with disco music, which most people don't know this, but like, growing up for whatever reason i just love disco music i was just like in middle (laughs) like in middle school i went through like a two-year obsession with it where i just thought it was like the greatest music ever made and now and lately i've started thinking about it a lot and actually you can kind of see it come back into some pop music like i would i would argue that a lot of dua lipa's music like i think there is sort of like hints of a disco vibe yeah Mm. i mean it's party like it's party music. It's, it's good fun. And, um, but yeah, that movie just, I think it, I think it just was helpful to, for, to me during the pandemic because it allowed me to sort of like, I don't know, feel that feeling again of what my life has become here in New York. Um, and had you already started to do cabarets when I, when I saw this? Yeah. Yeah. So like I, so pre pandemic, I produced, uh like 10 shows like 10 you could call them cabarets or concerts or whatever and then also just by virtue of like hanging out with friends like i was i was always in gay bars all the Mm -hmm. time um and then and then there's the disco connection and um so this is the type of movie that i'll just kind of have on in the background sometimes like uh i don't watch it quite as much anymore but during the pandemic I, i feel like i watched it like seven or eight times just because you know we had nothing else to do and um so now i've seen it enough times that i just kind of watch it for fun in the background Um, i'll have to give it a shot yeah there is one (laughs) there is one controversial part in the movie because that didn't age well where there's this uh what is it it's like this there's this brief filipina character who is like this really bad stereotypical asian woman um it's i mean the whole movie's very over the top but and when i first watched it it wasn't necessarily i i didn't get like a racist vibe from it it was more like man this character's really annoying but then as i i looked it up it was like yeah a lot of people took it the wrong way because it's like you're making this woman look yeah she's a caricature and she looks crazy Mm -hmm. and like it you know it, it kind of gives that racist assumption that this is how filipino women are you know but it's asian roles in the 90s were were very uh typecast if you will (laughs) yeah well i mean that's that's one of the it's weird because it you know it's a film about the lgbt community which you would think is you know very liberal and aware and would have avoided something like that but uh uh, unfortunately even this movie has its flaws but uh i hey aside from that bit um it's a fun film uh let's keep it going my number nine yep heat oh al pacino robert de niro de niro de niro (laughs) full disclosure uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
Delinquio. Um, <laughs> I I had never heard of this story until <clears throat> movie podcast uh, uh, extraordinaire, the rewatchables by the ringer um, uh, frequently uh, start. I think it started this, their, their podcast because of this movie. And I was like, what the hell is this um, movie all about? And I watched it and it's, absolutely incredible um about a, a bank heist uh, um in la mm-hmm. uh, uh by a guy who does bank heist and a cop who stops them and it it's from a an era that i think is over like these one-off incredible yeah piece of movies even if it's action but just like oscar worthy actors like giving it their all now you know everything is is a, is a franchise and it's like yeah. we're not going to make this we're not going to put a lot of money if we if we can't get like six movies out of it fast and furious um now mortal kombat um so it's it's a really cool interesting <laughs> it's it's also just a really cool movie um i like how when you're t- when you went to reference giant franchises one of the top two you thought of was Mortal Kombat. No, uh, the new Mortal Kombat. It's going to be a franchise. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I thought yeah. you were going to say like Harry Potter, Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> Mortal Kombat. They just started, but uh, it's going to be huge. <laughs> no, I'm, ta- I'm just saying because like they're jumping in on the franchise. Yeah, that's uh, why they were willing to do it. Exactly. Um, but but this is just a really cool movie with uh, just star-studded cast. Um, and you know it. It's, it's nothing really inspirational about it. It's just incredible scenes, mm-hmm. uh, and and again, it just it goes back to an era where, it's like let's put all our eggs in one basket and make in one incredible movie that I think we're seeing less and less uh, yeah. of uh, these days, unless it's like some independent movie. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's incredibly loud too. Those gunshot scenes, I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> turning down my my volume. Um, have you ever heard, have you ever seen it? So I'm pretty sure I haven't, but it's, 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 I, I totally know it. I totally know it. I hear about it all the time when people are talking about nineties movies. And, um, I think, I think the reason I haven't seen it, I'm just double checking. I don't think there's an easy way to see it online because usually if i can find yeah, a way I, to see a movie i will like with one of the, i have all the subscription services yeah so with all of these you need like something else so like star i'm going to see it i'm going to make a point of seeing this cuz i'm overdue do you have a dvd player uh yeah if you ever want a movie go on ebay and just type in whatever yeah. dvd they sell them for like two dollars if, sure. if you really want to see a movie um and did yeah. you know that um when you well it's different with these streaming services but like if you buy a movie on like apple you don't technically own it have you heard this no you're so that they could take it away from you well they you're what you're <clears throat> really doing is you're getting a indefinitely a indefinite rental and if they forever have something change with the rights for them to wow. to distribute it, then they will take it off their server and it'll be gone from your library. Because I think I think that has happened to me. But the only way to actually own a copy of a movie is still a physical copy. Yep. So is that the same on Amazon Prime? 
well, Amazon Prime, I mean, like, I mean, I guess that's true, probably. I think it's a legal thing. I don't think there's a way for these companies to sell you a digital copy. I think yeah. that's what the I think that's what the current legal situation is. Um, but anyways, that was just fun fact about DVDs. Okay, so number, number nine. nine. Number nine. Um, still actually still knocking on the door of uh, a little Game bit of what I was talking about earlier. Um, a <laughs> little bit of a theme. <laughs> I'm just going to paint all the colors of the rainbow with my movies. <laughs> so, uh, no, but this is for real. Number nine, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you why. It's not It's not the best movie. But, <laughs> but it's fun. But I will say this. A big thing I'm really into is community. And shit, I dropped my list. And I, the first time I saw it, I went to one of those performances with like a shadow cast where, you know, a, a movie theater pr uh, projects it at midnight and then everyone comes dressed up and there's a shadow cast who's performing it and lip syncing yep. it down below. And everyone's like throwing the rice and they have the sayings and me and um, my friends at the time, we went to a, we went to a bunch of those. And I just thought it was like one of the most cool, unique yep. the uh, film experiences that I'd ever had. And I love um, the counterculture. I don't know if that's the way to say it, but just like how, you know, it represents the outcasts and the freaks and the, you know, and that's kind of what Priscilla does. Like it, it, that movie kind of shows what it's like to be an outcast and uh, Rocky Horror kind of lifts outcasts up in a way. And, um, and you can tell it's like, I mean, it's like, if you go to Comic-Con, it's like people get, it's the same thing as Rocky Horror. People get dressed up and you can tell that this is a <laughs> situation where they can like be confident and be themselves in a way they that they do couldn't do yeah yeah it's it you know so it's yeah, what that uh, movie represents going back to what you said about community i think you know especially with covid like experiencing something as a group amongst like uh strangers is yeah. so foreign i mean we have sports um yeah. but an art uh, i think rocky rocky horror picture show did i say that right yeah, um, is so unique um, because even like a stand-up comedy show, it's like you're still kind of it's just the one person. It's not yeah. us connecting. Um, I'm motioning to my left <laughs> right here for the record. Um, <laughs> um, that that yeah, and I, I I can't even think at the top of my head something like that. Um, that that's very unique. I guess even like like drive-in theaters, you're still in your own car, and you know the culture we're in, where it's like you put in your headphones and you're like. <laughs> oblivious oblivious to the entire world yeah um, very, very good point it's a very unique movie um that does offer that type of uh experience agreed what's number Great. nine for you my number nine was uh um... oh, was heat oh yeah so we're, i guess we'll do like a snake draft here so i'll go up to my eight if you want <laughs> okay so um so my number eight i'll say in parentheses is quentin tarantino movies all of them <laughs> but i had to pick one and i picked 
Inglorious Bastards. You and is my that's that on your list. Six. That's my number six. We can talk about it. So I each of his films does something different for me. Um, and the reason why I landed on Inglorious Bastards is because uh, that opening scene was is the best written scene I've seen in a film. And I remember seeing it in theaters. And that was when, you know, I still, what, early 20s um, and uh, still learning about the arts and still kind of figuring it out. And it just it just like hit it just hit with me. Like, I think there's been few times where I've actually been able to appreciate uh, like, oh, that was well written or that film did this well. Like this was the, one of the first films where I could actually distinctly think in my mind that is definitely an amazing script and a great film on the whole. It was so good. Um and it really opened the door to me appreciating uh, other Tarantino films. That's the film that got me hooked on his films. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of a little bit opposite of what you said. This is I saw this movie before I got into acting and movies so that I was able to completely buy in and just have this experience as just like, mm -hmm. and I want to buy into movies uh, anyway, but this was before I got into like, oh, here it comes. Oh, that was a good line or, or just analyzing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you talked about that first scene. <clears throat> I'm going to talk about the scene in the bar. Oh, um, yeah. So good. I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, like, and like tensed up. And after the movie, my friends were like, oh, that movie was so boring. There was so, no action. I was like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm like sweating here. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're like, you know, they're, they go in there and then they're, they have, they see the bars and they're like, no, we got to like stay here kind of thing. And then out of nowhere, there's like, holy crap, there's this whole other room with a whole nother person yeah. there. Yeah. And he comes in and uh, just really good stuff. It's a 20 minute scene, but like I'm bought in the, the entire time. Um, Just a really incredible movie. Um, there's more I want to say about um, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Spoiler alert, you're going to hear more of them in my <laughs> list. Uh, so I'll just leave it at that. Okay, let's go to your... Um... Yeah, my in number. my... That's good. Yeah, so I'll say more in a second. Yeah, let's go to your number eight. No, no, do you have something about Inglourious Bastards? No, 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 no. It'll make more sense later. Yeah, let's go to you. Okay. Number eight. Um, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Hi, mm. Richie. I've only seen it once. Oh, I. You probably didn't understand it because it's a lot going on, and the it's a very British accent movie, Cockney kind of yeah. references. Um, <clears throat> so this kind of going back to what I said about Heat. This is like a one-off movie where someone just had a crazy ass story, and with multiple parties just intersecting, uh, and just like fitting the puzzle. It's like a, a, a jigsaw puzzle that's scattered all over the place. And then at the end, it just fits perfectly. Um, hilarious. Um, kind of maybe for the wrong reasons. I just think the British accent and their, their, the way they enunciate can really hit home something that's funny that just wouldn't sound funny in an American accent. Um, 
excellent, excellent uh, movie. I suggest watching it with subtitles. It will really help <laughs> uh, keep uh, the story and pieces together. Um, in this movie also, um, <clears throat> with so many uh, different parties, Guy, I noticed this as a an analyzer of films, uses music, uh, theme musics, <clears throat> theme music, certain songs for each party, each gang that can help you to help distinguish uh, who you're uh, uh, hanging out with at the time that I think, um, like you said, you know, so many, so many people go into telling a story. The music has a lot to do with it. And I think for independent film makers such as ourselves, uh, music is probably one of the first things to go to cut costs. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's all I'll say about that. Highly recommended. Yeah. I, I like Guy Ritchie. I, my favorite film of his is Snatch. Guess what? Um, My number seven. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it going. Yeah. So <laughs> number I, six, yeah. Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of the same actors. Um, I, again, I same story, do- same accents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of moving parts. Uh, instead of gangs, it's more individuals. Um, uh, yeah, I've been talking. Why, why don't you say what you did? Is your no. number snatch? Wait, 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 so we're on your number seven. And is, is so snatch yours is your snatch. Snatch is not on my list. No, oh, okay. Um, no, no, no. But I do I really like that film. I was just saying that's my favorite Guy Ritchie film. I see. I see. Um, Brad Pitt, superstar power. Um, yeah. Inc- I'll tell you this: incredible physique. Uh, <laughs> it's like wiry, one percent body fat. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Jason Statham, uh, a clear uh, movie star. Um, That's right. That was early on for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, not much to say. Uh, it, I'll say Lock, Sock and Snatch kind of go hand in hand. Um, sure. And I tried to, I thought Rock and Roller was going to be a lot better, but it's a lot of narration. I was like, okay, Guy Ritchie, you, you kind of right. lost me. Um, your number seven. Yeah. So mine. So I want to backtrack for a second because mine are there are kind of like groupings to mine. So nine and ten, those were films. Uh, like I said, that sort of represent like a community or um, uh, just something special to me in that regard. Uh, but aren't necessarily considered like the greatest films of all time. Right. Um, I don't think any of mine are either. So and and. and I, with these some of these orders you could switch some of these around and and the reason i bring that up is between between seven and eight you could switch them like you could say that i actually like maybe enjoy inglorious bastards more than this next film but uh just to set it up like i said i picked inglorious bastards because that was definitively the best writing I had seen for a scene in a movie and that opened the door for me to Quentin Tarantino number seven. I have to put it on my list because it is definitively the greatest acting performance that I always think of when I think of what is the greatest acting performance. And it is a streetcar named desire, which Ah. is of course I'm talking about Marlon Brando, although they're all, they're all pretty damn good in that film. Um, yeah, I I don't watch this film as much as the other ones on this list. I'll watch it from time to time. It's, you know, it's a little depressing, but Brando's um 
his just like presence on screen is just unlike anything I've ever seen before. I feel like except for if you see him in on the waterfront that's another one where it's just like holy shit this guy is miles above everyone else i feel like often with really great acting performances they i don't know maybe it's the way they're shot now but i feel like a lot of the performances we see they feel a little bit more calculated to me Mm -hmm. uh whereas brando watching him he just does not give a fuck he is his character and um he is just so in it he's he it doesn't feel like he cares where the camera is or who's or what what's going on it's just i am present in the scene and and more so than just about anyone else i've ever seen on film you ever see it Uh, i i have seen it um I saw it before I got into Marlon Brando, but yeah, very powerful movie. Um, you know, obviously I saw it knowing the Stella line, but mm-hmm. seeing what led up to it and just, you know, has how awful his life is. Yeah. Uh, alcohol on top of yeah. that. Um, just really powerful stuff. It's a, it's a, it, the line gets made fun of a lot, but yeah. Maybe because those people don't really know the the subject matter of the movie. So, yeah. Well, and I feel like he says the line in a different way than most people say it when they're joking oh, about sure, the movie. Sure. And uh, like it's like what you said, it's the lead up to it. And uh, yeah, I mean, when I think about, yeah, when I think about acting, I, that's I always think about that role because he just was so incredible. Um, and it was a great film. It was, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, okay, let's move up to my next, uh, I, 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 maybe I'll say tier. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. but, uh, my top six films are all films that I would love someday to make a film basically inspired by one of these films. Um, uh, I would love to make something inspired by Rocky horror as well. And Priscilla, but um anyways i'll go into number six number six sideways uh, i've mentioned this to you before i so, actually do watch this movie a lot actually because of you <laughs> yeah uh, you watch it a lot because of me yeah yeah oh. it's on it's i think it's on hulu right now oh sweet i i watch it all the time um i watch it i've been watching it probably once every three to six months Cause it's just, it's, it's wine. It's coming of age. It's, you know, the mid thirties struggle. It's, uh, it's, um, it's just the perfect blend of comedy and drama. It doesn't, it doesn't really, um, force itself to be one or the other. Yeah. It's a a story. Yeah. Which is how I think stories should be. Um, or that's how I would prefer to create things like. And so I, I like to see other things out there that are done in a way that I enjoy. And um, and the, just the performance, uh, the performances of the four main actors are really awesome. Really yeah. awesome. You know, now looking back at it, I think. I, I would actually <laughs> looking at it with more thoughtful eyes, I would argue that maybe. uh 
Maya, <laughs> maybe she she could have been written just a little bit better because there is a lot of like, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of like mansplaining that goes on in the film. <laughs> Even though they write her as this very intelligent, great woman, it's just wow. like there's there's and maybe that goes into uh, Paul Giamatti's character because he isn't a great guy. Like he's an imperfect like you start the movie with him stealing money from his I mom. Know. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it, maybe that's not a fair um, criticism I have, but it is um, something that I noticed probably because, you know, in the last few years more and more women involved in Hollywood, you know, have brought to light how a lot of scripts, you know, uh, don't give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, they're, they're just not written in, in, in with the same level of strength that some of the male characters can be written. And I, I just remember I, I heard that and then watched the movie and it's like, Oh yeah, Maya, they do kind of, you know, she doesn't quite have the, the same level of complexity as, uh, miles or um what's his face what's his friend's face by miles and jack um but i whatever that that's just like a small side note i was thinking about but i think it's such a great film and i would love someday to possibly make something like that and maybe i'm currently working on something like that who knows um let's hear what your number six is let me say something about sideways this movie oh yeah this movie kind of freaked me out oh really uh, in the fact like wow um relationships can be real fickle based on who's in them yeah like when when is it is it jack the actor yeah that he uh when he's like (laughs) just completely unhinged on a supposed bachelor party i was like yeah whoa man like this is i think i saw it you know obviously before i was married before i even had i was with my uh now wife i was like whoa is this like is this how like marriages are like (laughs) is this what a bachelor party is i don't want i don't want that to be the truth um and then you know he like obviously you know this is a spoiler alert can we spoil yeah well i already started spoiling it so no one's listening anyways (laughs) (laughs) um when he like gets caught and obviously breaks his nose and then he like does it again with the waitress uh, at, a, at a different restaurant. I was like, yeah, dude, stop. <laughs> uh, yeah. About Paul Giamatti's character, it kind of scared me in the fact like, wow, life really might not end up how you want it. He yeah. Put all this effort into his book and, you know, the publisher doesn't take it. It's just like, well, there goes, you know, my baby, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's like, yes, I can go on back to, uh, you know, teaching high school English. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, that, I'll say that it freaked me out. But it did. It is a really great movie. Really powerful um, performance by Paul Giamatti um, in a movie that, you know, it doesn't <laughs> kind of there's a theme. It's a one off. There's no explosions. It's not a franchise. Yeah. yeah. It's a really unique story uh, and obviously great, great um scenery uh, uh and i learned a lot about wine so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i it it also um so similar to how with like rocky horror or priscilla they make me think of something from my real life um you know sideways makes me think of yeah going to napa with my friends or family or 
just dreaming of the dip, you know, someday I want to go down to where this film was shot. And, um, uh, and I do think some of those, <laughs> some of those things that you talk about, they do resonate with me in the film. It's like, Oh man, like what if you do marry someone and they are as fucked up as Jack yeah. or um, what if I write something like miles and you know, it just, it doesn't matter. Um, yep. Yep. But, and also <laughs> I think that's part of the, uh, that, that, yeah. I do like that. He, he gets the girl in the end, but that's, part, that's probably the, the other thing. That that's I like think that is, Hollywood ending. It's, that's part of my criticism is like, she's so sweet and nice. And this guy is so fucked up and like, and Oh she's really? Like... She's still cool with it the whole time. Oh, <laughs> and she's like, the fuck up. <laughs> she's so much better looking than he is. It's like and I, younger. <laughs> well, it's like, I, I mean, because when I watch that film, I put myself in Paul Giamatti's situation. I'm like, yep, that's me, depressed. I ah. just fuck me. And then it's like, oh, but yeah, you sneak off, you go have wine with your friends and like you're super bougie about it. Yep, that's me. And ah. it's like, oh, you're talking to this hot chick. Oh, and she puts up with all your shit and you get her in the end. What the fuck? That's not me. Like, that, that is fucking bullshit. <laughs> but, but I do like Sandra O's oh character as well. Um, I'm blanking on the character's name. Um, what's her name? Uh, I have to look it up. This is gonna this is gonna bother me. Um, but she is brilliant. Um, Stephanie. Stephanie, right? Yeah, she's she's great, and uh, her whole dynamic with uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden Church is so fucking funny in that film too. I'm going to yeah. watch this film very soon now. Cause now that we're talking about it, this has gotten me pumped up for this film. Um, anyways, we should let's let's do you have anything else to say about sideways or should we just keep it? Going? No, uh, just thank you for turning me on to it. Oh yeah. Happy to. It's, oh, it's so good. Um, I think we haven't done your number six, right? Uh, Inglorious bastards. We talked about it. Ah, um, yes. Yes. So we now have a top five. Do you want to make this a two parter? No, let's just for wait. Do you have to go? I gotta go to the bathroom. Okay, just go to the bathroom, and I'll I'll pause it. Okay. We are back from our quick break, and I just grabbed myself a new uh, San Pellegrino <laughs> <laughs> Aranciata Rosa <laughs> Blood Orange. <laughs> <clears throat> all right so uh let's recap the list i have them right here god this is my... the longest top 10 of all time starts with oh. like a 30 minute honorable oh. mention <laughs> <laughs> we'll rattle them up my my 10 <clears throat> through six goodwill hunting heat lock stock and two smoking barrels snatch inglorious bastards yours Priscilla, were... of the desert yep rocky horror rocky horror picture show Inglorious Bastards, Streetcar Named Desire, Sideways. And I think you were going to add a little bit more to your thoughts on Inglorious Bastards, right? Or No, um, for, for a future movie. Oh, okay. That I'm going to talk about it, yeah. Okay, so let's go into the top five. Um, you go first. The Big Lebowski. Oh, baby. Um, I really have no idea what this movie is even about. <laughs> um. <laughs> But again, it's just a unique story of just honestly, sometimes I think my favorite movies are just 
when you meet someone at a bar, a friend or a stranger, and they're like, do you want to hear a crazy ass story of what happened today and, or last week? Mm-hmm. And if you, if you made a movie about that thing, like even sideways, uh, um, uh, big Lebowski, he like, like I, my, my rug got stolen or something. And yeah. this, all this crazy chain of events happened. Lock second to smoke barrel snatch. Um, incredible just writing and scenes and relationships um steve buscemi is a real under underappreciated maybe a hidden uh, a secret underrated mvp of the movie uh, he gives us some heart um yeah uh there's not really much more to say it's just super entertaining and no life lessons from it but really cool writing and and just i think hilarious the dude abides <laughs> yeah just quotables <laughs> that's the best thing from this movie i'm gonna have to rewatch it because i never <laughs> i never connected with that movie no I'll, people hate it or people yeah. think it's the best movie ever <laughs> and i fall into i fall into the the ladder there yeah i'll okay well i'll still give it a try but i'm gonna it's, watch it's the Coen brothers right uh i think so uh, they, quick, uh quick google they here some, they do some they do uh, they do some really unique type stories. Yeah, it was the Coen brothers. Like, oh, brother, we're out there. Um, oh, yeah. Stuff. Uh, yeah. Give it another another world, and then we'll we'll do our top ten next week. So, <laughs> <laughs> what is your number five? That'll be the whole podcast. <laughs> just every week, a new top ten films of all time. <laughs> Honorable mention: Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here we go. Uh, continuing on. Number five, Star Wars, the original, A New Hope. A New Hope. Uh, I loved Star Wars when I was a kid. I still love Star Wars. It's getting a little different now. It's <laughs> as they expand that universe and crank them out. Uh, there's really good stuff, but it's it is it is different than uh what I connect with with the uh the original because the original to me i I think about my childhood uh because you know growing up it was just the original three and then eventually i think middle school and high school was the prequels but um but star wars a new hope uh i you know i think it's my favorite film in the star wars franchise a lot of people will pick other films and I get it, but I think star Wars, a new hope, um, despite its flaws and, you know, it does have some, um, it's the one that started it all. Sure did. None of that other stuff would have happened unless George Lucas was able to pull that thing together. And, um, I also will point out one of the cool things about that film that I feel like got lost as star Wars went on and on is that the force in a new hope is not really about telekinetic abilities. (laughs) I mean, you get to episode nine and it's all about flying through the air (laughs) and like having things like circling around you and like these giants, like like, putting your hand up and just, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's basically you can do it. It's the matrix. You can just yeah, stop. Exactly. You can stop the bullets. You can do those bounding leaps from like 
<laughs> like building to building or like you know wreck to wreck you know when yeah. they're out on the water um but it, it was more of just like i don't know like this zen thing and connection with the universe and like yeah, you know, with oh, Obi Wan is like manipulating people with like the the Jedi trick, and then even when uh, Luke, uh, spoiler alert, when Luke uh, b- blows up the Death Star, mm-hmm. it's not. I don't. I don't think of it as necessarily like, oh, I'm going to specifically with my mind like move the laser into that air duct no, or no, no. vent. It's more of a like willing that into existence kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, which I really like about it. Um, what was I going to look up? I was going to look up something about Star Wars to share with. I don't know why I just pulled this up. Um, oh, I know why I just pulled this up. It's because, uh, side note, um, aside from the film, it's also means a lot to me as just like uh, the filmmaking aspect of it. Like I mentioned with Lord of the Rings during the honorable mention section. Um and there's a there's a great documentary about the making of Star Wars, which I highly recommend to anyone who likes Star Wars or anyone who likes filmmaking. Um, and I'm looking it up right now. It's um, is it uh, what's it called? Something an empire building an em- is it building an empire? What is it? Empire of Dreams. I think so. Is this it? Empire of Dreams, the story of the Star Wars trilogy. That's what I'm thinking of. Anyone who likes Star Wars, you should go watch that. It's on Disney Plus. Um, or anybody who likes filmmaking, because it, and I actually have watched it in the past to inspire me with my projects, because when they were making Star Wars, that thing was going to shit. It was falling apart. There was like semi mutinies happening because oh, wow. people were just like, what? People, people working on the film were openly just dogging it. They're like, this is some shitty kids movie. Yeah, this is going to yeah. be awful. And it wasn't until, and because it was like, there was nothing was like, like it. It was like action figures. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was awful. And also uh, it required so much in the editing process. Like, you know, Darth Vader's voice was added after in the right, editing process. Right. And then the music with John Williams, which is probably low-key like probably the 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 most consistent strongest part of the whole franchise is is his music and you see it in this documentary where they put the movie together and it goes from this shitty thing where everyone hates george lucas and thinks like he's making something terrible (laughs) to him being able to pull this thing out and uh make it make it something special and then you know it became the phenomenon it became um do you have anything to say about star wars just uh i I don't think i've this might be wrong but i feel like it's the first or or what put it on the map like universe building or world Mm. building as far as like i mean he put so much thought into like Mm -hmm. the spaceship the millennium falcon had its own personality Mm -hmm. and the bar or this planet over here and the, the entire race of of beings are from this one or mm-hmm. a whole another thing is from here uh like sky city looks so much different than you know whatever tattooing uh really heavy thought process put into it like even i think it's more impressive than harry potter where it's all in the same 
planet i'll say like we're all, we all look like humans and there's like yeah, yeah some giants and some mythical creatures but like to do like planets and galaxies away uh is is just really it's just no other word to, to say other than it's super cool yeah. um so yeah nice number four number four is another classic film and this is actually well, Star Wars is on is on a lot of top films of all time list, uh, but this is very close to the top on many of these lists, and it is Casablanca. Have you ever seen it? I have. It's uh, frankly, my dear. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, that's not Casablanca. That's uh, gone with the wind. Gone Fuck. with the wind. <laughs> then I have have I seen I've seen it like years ago. Casablanca is uh, in all the gin joints. Oh, yes, yes. Blah, blah, blah. Or uh, play it again, Sam. Or, yeah. Um, But uh, fun fact, uh, I thought that movie was so cool in high school that that is um, uh, how I picked out my, like, tux for senior ball. I got a white dinner jacket that matched... Um, Humphrey Bogart's jacket in oh, that nice. film, which was a little out of place for me because I feel like the person who wears a white jacket to prom is the asshole who wants to stand <laughs> out. But it, it had nothing to do with that for me. It was just like, that is the coolest look that a guy can have. And I had to do it. Um, but I got to see a picture of that. I could probably dig it up. It's probably on Facebook. Um, but let me take a step back. The reason why it's so high on my list, and this is kind of similar to what I was saying about Inglorious Bastards. Um, I think so. Inglorious Bastards had the best written scene that I had ever seen. Um, Casablanca to me was so fascinating because I saw it when I was 18 and I knew almost nothing about film. I, I hadn't really started studying acting seriously or storytelling. Um, but I remember just naturally realizing how it was, there was such poetry with the words. It was like so well written um, over, for the whole movie. And I realized that there were so many expressions in that film that had become cliche over time. And it was like, oh, well, this is where they came from. Yeah, and yeah. they didn't, but they, they sounded so naturally, they sounded so natural in the film. And it was, it was so interesting and there was such a class about it. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's my ideal bar would be to like, go <laughs> to, um, go to that club. If it, if it really existed, which I don't think anything like that exists, but maybe they do for tourists. But yeah, to go over to Casablanca in Morocco and go to a place like that and get all dressed up. I, I just think it's like the coolest thing ever. And it's such a good classic film. Um, anyways, you've seen it, though. I have uh, not as an adult. So mm. I'll give it another roll. Isn't it like three hours? No, no, I think it's probably think only less than gone. two hours. Um, I just rewatched it actually a couple weeks ago and it, it uh, it's so good. It, it's my favorite classic film and it's from 1943 that's crazy like almost 80 years ago um i'm trying to look up 
the running time because I think it's pretty short. Yeah, 102 minutes. So anyways, what's uh what's number four for you? I said we'd go we'd talk more about Quentin Tarantino. Django Unchained. Oh, nice. Yes. And kind of going back to what I was gonna say about Inglorious Bastards, Quentin Tarantino um has I, my theory is that he just gives the audience what they want to see and hear, even if they don't admit they want to see it. Mm-hmm. At the end of Inglorious Bastards, we saw a really graphic machine gun to Adolf Hitler's face. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know about you, but like I was just like, "Fuck yeah!" Yeah, it was <laughs> awesome. Uh, I was like, "Cause that's yeah, he, he he's a monster, and this is what you want to see to a monster." Um, at the end of Django, you see. Django, Jamie Foxx, just like shoot up all these slave owners and yeah. and, and um and in like the worst way, blows up fucking Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah. No remorse because why would you have any remorse for them? Yeah. Like, women, sure, I'll fucking kill you. Um, and you know, even though it's not the right thing, and we we don't uh, um want to admit it, it's just like yeah, everyone was cheering for him for the that whole forty minute stretch. Um, same with Kill Bill. Same with at the end of um, uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah, uh, where it's like this didn't even happen, but like this is the rage Quentin Tarantino feels feels for uh, this actress who got c- killed by you know the Manson uh, tribe. It's like yeah, I want to see you bash this this woman's face into a phone over and over again. As a friend. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's <clears throat> this is what I want to see and you build up to it, you know, there's obviously great script writing uh, along with that. Um, but uh, as far as the action sequences that, and, and blood and gore that uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino brings to his films, uh, Django is one to uh, really fulfill that, 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 that um, dopamine uh, hit for me when I watched that. I, you know, you talking about it makes me feel guilty for not having Tarantino higher on my list because he probably is um, the director who influences me the most. And I love Django. I, when I saw it, when it was new, I remember liking it better than Inglorious Bastards. It was like, oh, wow, yeah. he, this is even better. Um, and I almost put it on my list, but I went with Inglorious Bastards because of the writing of that first scene. Cause there's like, that was the, that was a, a key standout in my journey as someone like watching film and understanding it. But one thing that I took away from Django was I remember, you know, we all have crazy ideas and like, I I very vaguely remember this, but I remember before I saw Django, I remember just somewhere lost in my thoughts. I remember thinking and having an idea of how fun it would be to use like to mix up music. And this is not a unique idea to me or anyone, but like use like contemporary music yeah yeah and put it on something older as long as it mixes and the point i'm getting to is i remember thinking like oh but that's like a crazy idea and then in django when i think it's when they're 
it might be when they're on the way to Candyland and they're he's playing the uh is that a Rick Ross song or what is that yeah, song he's I, playing? It's like I got a hundred something something. Oh yeah, and it's just like I remember I was just jaw to the floor thinking like holy shit like you can do that you can do that yeah. like and it and it fucking works and it was like, it like, doesn't have to be a t- a music from that time period <laughs> it's just like you can like it was just the the fact that you could do whatever you wanted mm-hmm. like that was one of those moments that clicked with me um he hired rizza to do the music um i guess uh, curating for that movie um but obviously he gets final say. But I totally get I totally know what you mean. When I was when I first saw it in the movie theater, I looked around and people were just like bobbing their head to that yeah. part. And yeah. Like, oh yeah, we're fucking doing this. We're we're we've we've interloped this uh this, <laughs> this, this slave we're owner. Going to fucking Candyland. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get this guy. Um, we're gonna fucking kill Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And everyone else is like, that's gonna be me someday. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um speaking to uh uh leonardo dicaprio probably uh, uh very high on the list of most evil characters of all time mm-hmm. um he's magnetic you can i cannot keep yeah. my eye off him off the screen when he's on screen especially in this movie the accent the um kind of gravitas but yeah and the little choices he chooses to kind of show that he's actually not at the same level as um yeah uh, um christoph waltz uh as yeah. his character where he's just like what my favorite line is when uh um one my favorite one of my favorite lines is when uh um i forget his name the german he uh he he does a toast and he does the german toast he goes prost and <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio go, just looks at him. He's like, German. <laughs> just says German. He's just like, didn't know what he said. He just says German. The word German. Just so I say, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm a little outclassed here uh, um, yeah. intellectually. Uh, but that's all I'll say about that. Great movie. I will say this. I do think Inglorious Bastards is a better movie. I just find myself watching mm. Django a lot more. Well, I'll, so Leo is fantastic. Also, Christoph Waltz is fantastic. Also, Samuel L. Jackson is fantastic yep. because he is maybe my favorite actor. Um, even though you know, favorite can mean a lot of different things. Like, um, I already said Brando's performance is my favorite of all time, but I just love watching samuel jackson he picks the best movies to be in and i always like watching him and uh he has a good relationship with quentin tarantino too oh definitely and um i just was like that was like a very daring role and i was just kind of shocked to see him go that far with it and obviously that's what the role required but it was just like well shit like he you know he just he doesn't care like it didn't seem to me like he cared what anyone thought about him and doing that role and how you know just just the negativity associated with that role uh but it was just like man he he nailed it it's the same thing with leo like that pure evil character but it's like he nailed it that's acting and yeah (laughs) go that far um he did say in an interview when he was when approached about the role, 
he was like, oh, so you want me to play the worst character of all time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, that's all I'll say about that. What is your... <clears throat> What number are we on? Number three. We're in the top three now. Yeah. So number three. So I'll have to explain this one. Number three on my list is Moulin Rouge. Okay. I just remember when I saw it in high school. And I remember being mesmerized by the opening sequence where John Leguizamo is like on the rooftop and he's singing there was a boy or the their version of it and how this like transports into this you know parisian fairy tale about a writer and i always like i think it's probably different for people now because with the internet like you just you're exposed to so many different types of people and we celebrate differences but i remember at that time in my life you know, when it, when you think about who you have to be in the world, I think I just always felt like I'm not quite, I'm not quite a hundred percent a jock, even though I did sports. Mm -hmm. And so I, I guess I never <clears throat> saw a man, like a guy who was like, like a real strong man, but was artistic and, a writer and creative and like romantic and that's you and McGregor's character and, and what goes along with the storytelling in that and how there's the connection to performance and stuff, even though I wasn't a performer at that time, but I still was so into the arts and I really think it's, it kind of just connected with me. It was like the first film that like kind of stopped me in my tracks where I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is, representing something inside of me I've never seen before. And awesome. so that's why it's very high on my list. I wish I had more to say about it. I have not seen it. It um it came out in 01 and yeah. I was 15 and I was like I, I was just like this movie is not for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um but I will uh, I'll have to give it a shot based on your uh on your uh comments here. Well, I remember too like um so in high school, I played volleyball very competitively year round. And I remember my senior year, like the newspaper, like the no local newspaper there uh, for the sports section, there was, there was one week or I think it was a week where I was like at student athlete of the week. And they like, you know, they ask you, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite album? And my answers, I remember my answers to that were pasta and outcast. Cause you remember outcast when they had like speaker box and the love below, that was yeah. like so cool. And then I remember they asked for my favorite movie and they asked that first. And I had to say Moulin Rouge, but I was embarrassed to say it because at that uh, time it was just like, people would be like, Oh, you're gay. Yeah. And so I remember I said, Oh, let me pass on that. Let me answer the other questions. I answered the other questions. And then the person, the girl interviewing me on the phone circles back. I remember saying Moulin Rouge and she like paused and was just like, <laughs> okay. And then that was the end of that. And then I remember telling my teammates that, and they like, one of them called me the F word and they're like, oh, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't think the anything of it. A, yeah. It's just a different time. But I, I remember thinking that at that time where it was like, 
I remember being so insistent upon it where it was like, no, this is fucking my favorite film. Uh, yeah. Like this connects with me more than anything else. And like, <laughs> if people want to call me stuff, like I don't fucking care. Like this is yeah. it. And uh, that's awesome. Anyways. Uh, I don't know how well it holds up over time. Like uh, it's, uh, but I think it um, actually, I do know it. I've, I've watched it a few times. It's actually a crazy film. It's super fast paced. It It's wild and nuts. And maybe that's part of what makes it work, but um, it's also, uh, you know, a big part of Baz Luhrmann's or Baz, however you say it, Baz Luhrmann's uh, yeah. legacy and kind of what, really took him into the stratosphere after Romeo and Juliet. Um, but it made stars of a lot of people, but um, I think it inspired many other movie musicals after it. Um, anyways, enough talk about that. What's your wait. Oh, I have to, we're, I have to do my number two, right? Okay. Okay. Cause you've already done your number three. I have not. I thought number three was Django or was Django. Okay, what's your Basically, number three? You've been doing two and I've been doing one. But oh, it's shit. Not- I thought we were going... Okay, I thought we were doing... Okay, so you go to your three. The stakes are very low. Uh, <laughs> cur- curveball alert. Home Alone. Oh, really? Christmas is coming up. I watch it every Christmas. I think it is um, absolutely hilarious. It is. I. I you get um, a... a world-class actor to play um these goons uh, uh marvin harry to do yeah. physical comedy yeah uh, basically perfectly um i i i'm i laugh so hard every single time i know exact all the beats that are coming um but it's not just it's not just that i think the movie has a lot of heart um it's uh you know macaulay culkin um has this uh revelation about family i think mm-hmm. uh Catherine o'hara is actually really good in it um yeah uh just a really fun movie i i watch every christmas i will say home alone 2 i think is funnier but home alone 1 is a better movie um and home alone 3 is worse than oceans 12 i'll say i'll say that <laughs> it is good uh, i i rewatched it like i think Last year or the year before that, I remember watching it. It's yeah, and I watched it as a kid. It is yeah, really it funny. takes me back it, to to when I was a kid. It it hold it does hold up. It's really mm-hmm. good. Um, um your number two. I'll say you say your number two, then I'll say my number two, and then I'm pretty sure our ones are going to be the same. They're not the same. Oh really? Okay. There's no way. I would be okay, shocked. Then, then you're right. It's not the same if you if you're saying that. So what is your number two? <laughs> now i'm wondering what you put is it gonna be like space jam or <laughs> okay my number two my number two is the uh most uh recent movie on my list and it is the masterpiece by the daniels called everything everywhere all at once oh uh, yes Very this good film freaking blew my mind and it's the only film on my list i've only seen one time so far mm-hmm. uh but I'm going to watch it again soon. Um, it's kind of like um, what I was saying about Django, how watching it and realizing, oh my gosh, you can do whatever you want. And yep. then seeing um, actually 
uh, I mentioned the uh, Star Wars um, documentary. There's a part in that where they were talking about a way that they were reusing some footage and editing it, editing it in a very like uh, in a certain way to fit what they needed, even though it's not what the they caught from the actor in that time. And I remember thinking like, oh, my gosh, you can literally do whatever you want, whatever makes a film. And, a lot of pieces together. Yeah. And then on top of that, with when it comes to the writing aspect of it, not just the editing, but everything everywhere all at once is just batshit crazy, but it works. And it's and that is the kind of stuff I would like to write. I would like to be able to just do the weirdest things that come in my mind and not have to filter it because I'm like, oh, people won't get it. Like, yeah. oh, that'll be weird. Like I want to do stuff like their film and um, I, the, 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 the film that it made me think of was 2001, a space odyssey, just in terms of the, like, um, I don't know, just, just the way that they kind of had more of this abstract artistic abstracts, maybe not the right word, but, um just just the way they um told their story kind of with chapters and sort of had this kind of uh way of telling the story that sort of mapped out kind of the human experience in a way mm. and um oh, it's brilliant <laughs> it's just I... so fucking good have you you saw it right yeah did you cry i did cry when I when wept, she's I like wept, do not bro. I wept. <laughs> I, I cried at the part where um what's the mom's name? I can't remember her name. But remember I... how her, her daughter keeps calling her by her name at that point once they've kind of broken down the fact that the, the nihilist attitude of like nothing matters and um we're from different universes or something like that or realities. And um when that part where they're fighting and she's like, Stop calling me her name, like yeah, yeah. I'm your mom. And like, I remember it's just like, (laughs) it's like, it's so real. It's like, and that's the brilliance of the film is like, it is so good about kind of laying the framework for how nothing truly matters, but Uh then kind of flipping it on its back and being like, but everything, even in spite of knowing that truth, like it doesn't, you can never take away the fact that stuff does matter to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100%. Uh, it, it's obviously very sci-fi, but it, it all comes down to re- the relationship between families, which is something everyone can relate to. Uh, really outside the box way of, of telling that story. Um, just absolutely incredible. I want to wait a couple of years be- maybe, or a little bit before I watch it again to give it some fresh eyes, but 100%. Very, very good number two. What's your number two? Wolf of Wall Street. Oh. Um, going back to what we said about uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, he is perhaps just, not just as evil, uh, still pretty evil uh, in this movie, um, but you can't take your eyes off of him. Um, Jonah Hill's <laughs> character, also just a complete piece of shit. They're all, you, he does a good job of, uh, Martin Scorsese, a good job of showing you that these guys are evil and pieces of shit. Um, but 
you keep rooting for him for whatever reason. And honestly, that that last scene where it's like showing us that like we're all captivated by him and this lifestyle. Anyone, I'll say any guy has that in the back of their head that they would love this lifestyle of being a rock star where you have yeah. all this freaking money and you can just do it, literally do whatever you want. They're on a plane. They call the pilot the N-word. He's like, oh, they call it. That's that's a really underrated scene. It was like, oh, I call the pilot the N-word. And then Jonah Hills is like, yeah, thank God we're in first class. It's like, yeah, if you have enough money, you can do whatever yeah. you want in this <laughs> world. Um, just just pure evil guys, um, but just completely magnetic way of, of telling a story. And again, that last scene where it's just like, yep, we all want that lifestyle uh, at, yeah. or, or some kind of piece of it. Um, we're jealous of it and we're mad at it. Um, but we... Um, would love to be a part of it if given the chance. Um, there's a really good scene between the FBI agent and Leo when they're on the on the yacht. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being in the movie theater <clears throat> again on the edge of my seat. Like, <clears throat> is he falling for it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or is he like goading him in? He's like, well, you know, they give you a free gun when you join the bureau. And he's like, you know, well, you know, if you, you know. Uh, you know, do me this favor, you know, I could get you in on a, on a thing. And then he like motions his friend over and then it, the, uh, it it's a, a three shot, I guess, um, where it shows him right behind. He's like, can you say that <laughs> just the way you did? <laughs> um, it's a really hilarious scene that I watch over and over on YouTube. That's enough. I mean, do you have any thoughts on uh, Wolf of Wall Street? I've seen that clip on YouTube as well. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Yeah. It's a great film about bad guys. <laughs> yep. Very bad guys. There's also another a part where it just shows how what a piece of shit he is. He does this another bachelor party where he just basically cheats on his uh, um future wife yeah. with all these hookers. Um and he's like walking naked to the window in Vegas. Um and he, and there's like naked his naked friends and naked women all around just such a piece of shit move he like goes to one of the naked girls and just like grabs her tit as she's asleep and just like keeps walking yeah. he's like that's such a piece of shit thing to do but you're just like ah whatever um yeah uh, uh just really a uh, high level of range from leonardo dicaprio on my list at least <laughs> all right you want me to go number one first or are you number one uh I'll go number one. Okay. It's the, I would be shocked if this is your number one. It, it isn't. If you're going to be shocked. Well, my, my number one is Amelie, the French film. Oh, no. I haven't even seen it. Okay. It's number one. It's been number one on my list forever. I saw it when I was, I think 18 and it just, it's uh from 2001. So I think, yeah, same, same year as Moulin Rouge. Uh, but it's a French film. Um, it is the way it is shot and the way the story is told is just so refreshing and different from most of what we see in the U S. Um, I think the closest you might say is maybe hints of Wes Anderson isms, but, but not really. Um, and if anything, Wes Anderson might be, might have gotten some inspiration from this film. Uh, although Wes Anderson got going around at that time, but the point is 
it's a quirky film. It tells the story in very interesting ways. It uses all sorts of visual methods and um, the format kind of adapts to the film a bit. Uh, There's narrations, there's um, like claymation stuff. There's like animated stuff from, I I can't really picture how they did it, but um, they did all sorts of interesting things because it's, it's kind of the world through the eyes of this introverted girl or young woman. And I think if you are an introvert in one way or another, you will connect with this movie a lot. And I don't want to spoil anything about the story because it's like, yeah, I want to see it. it's like, it's just like beautifully simple. It's incredibly simple and, and just fun. And it just, there's something about it when you watch it, it just makes you feel so good. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just can't rave enough about I, I wish I had more to say about it, but I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for you. And it's a film that I bought on DVD so that I could have a physical copy so that I don't have to worry about chasing it down somewhere uh, because I think it's pretty hard to find. Um, it's not it kind of reminds me of Kill Bill when it goes through chapters and then it goes to. <clears throat> Lucy Liu's character and it goes to like anime for some reason. Is that is that fair to say there's a comparison there? Um it doesn't well it doesn't do it that much. Like mm. I'm just I mean you'll see it. It 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 uses some interesting things in the beginning of the film to sort of introduce you to this main character. Um and it and then it sort of releases out of that as you kind of come to present day. And she's a woman uh, because it, it kind of shows her how she grew up very briefly. Um, but it, it, you know, they do some really cool things with camera angles. There's a lot of wide angle lenses that, you know, distort people's faces. Oh, and yeah, sort yeah. of, uh, you know, it, yeah. these things that that wouldn't be very safe to do today, like because it would just be it might be seen as very weird uh, for a film to do today. Um and the filmmaker does make really weird stuff. This is probably his most mainstream thing, oddly enough. Um, uh, I can't recommend it enough, though. Yeah, Amelie, it's it's the best. Um, I just I love it. I if if I could make one film, I would want to make a film like Amelie. Can't wait to see it. My number one. I'm dying to know. Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm surprised it wasn't on yours. Um, but I guess it goes under your uh Inglorious Bastards take. Yeah, I just yeah, I, I wanted to hit some different things with my list, but Pulp Fiction, yeah, no, I get it. Let's hear this it. This movie gets better every single time I watch it. I mm-hmm. find out something new every single time. Um and when I first saw it, I honestly thought it was completely overrated. And then I got more into movies and I said, oh, this really shaked, shook things up on how we could tell stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we're seeing a lot of movies now where it starts in the middle of a story and then mm-hmm. back uh, uh, to the beginning and then we get to get you there. This didn't quite do that, but just the fact of talk, talk, telling a story out of order um when john travolta's character dies i'm like oh that sucks and then you like you see him later again um 
I thought that was uh, uh, just, you know, and then at the end where it kind of comes all, all together. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, again, I don't really know the lesson or what this movie is about. I, again, I just think it's like, do you want to hear a crazy story? And then yeah. you show this movie. Um, just different characters, different pieces coming together. And everyone says this all the time. The dialogue is incredible. Um, I, I watch it sometimes with subtitles just to see exactly what um, they're saying. Mm -hmm. I've told you these before, but not for the podcast. When um, Vincent is on the date with Mia, uh, it's obviously a first date. And I think the, the dialogue perfectly encapsulates that these two are completely different people. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is there is chemistry. And what the heck do you talk about when your mob boss tells you to take out his wife? Um, like, just <laughs> this dude is on edge. He's on heroin. And um, and they bring up, he brings up what he has to bring up. He's like, oh, yeah, I heard you did a pilot. Um, and, uh, and, you know, what about your husband throwing uh, Tony Rocker, Tony Rocky Horror, I think, out of a window? And then they talk about that. And then there's one line where um he says he came back from amsterdam and then mia says oh you know i go there about once a year to chill out and he goes no kidding i didn't know that and like she says why would you it's like, <laughs> yeah why would you yeah. That's like, that would be bad script writing if she didn't say something about that um but it's just that awkwardness that that you know feeling this whole situation out I, I honestly think it's so high level, but it's such it's one line, but it's it says so much more about their relationship and that dynamic in that moment. What are your thoughts on Pulp Fiction? I rewatched it um, in the last two months. Mm -hmm. It I love the pacing of it. And I think because it's a nonlinear story, it allows it allows um, them to present it in a really interesting way where like the first the first scene you have this this lead up this build up and you're like where's this what's this going to and then it you know and then it's like this is a hold up whatever blah blah, yeah. blah. and it's like holy shit and then it goes into the next scene and it's like um where are we <laughs> but it's like each scene right off the bat there's something that hooks you in and there's something big that happens and so you don't have to have like four or five scenes that lead up to some climax. It's like you have these little vignettes that are seemingly independent from one another. And as you said, as it all comes together, it's like, oh, wow, this is like this is really connecting in a really cool way and mm. uh, just makes makes it all just such a richer experience. One thing that stood out to me in the when they're at the uh the diner is uh Tarantino's pretty good about making people like you can like feel or you can you can taste how good something is or like you can you can just like sense it um and he does this in some of his films with beer or margaritas mm. but <laughs> but it, but when he has the like the what five dollar milkshake or whatever it is yeah yeah and and they they go back and forth they talk about it it's like that's just milk and ice cream right blah blah blah. they talk about it and then they they change the subject 
And then it comes out and then John Travolta's, you know, he's like, Hey, can I try that? I just need to yeah. know what it tastes like. And there's all this buildup and you're, and you're, and it's so great because it's like, if anyone else did that, it'd be like, I don't fucking care what this guy thinks about the milkshake. Yeah, it's like, but, can we move the story along? Yeah. <laughs> but in that moment, it's just like, what, what's going, what's the deal with the milkshake? Oh, yeah. And then you just see him just, I think his line is like, that's a fucking good milkshake. Like, I don't know if it's worth $5, but yeah. it's pretty fucking good. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just like, there. I just felt myself when I rewatched it recently, it was just like, there's kind of like this, I don't know. Like it was, just, I felt like such a freaking nerd where I was just like, Oh yeah, man, I can imagine it now. It's such a fucking yeah. good milkshake. Like, <laughs> like I'm just like in agreement with him and it's like, yeah, yeah they, they, uh, they painted the picture and they, they hooked me in and, uh pulp fiction is what yeah really it's good acting there. um kind of in talking about acting really good moment befores like you said there's no real beginning of a scene it kind of just draws you in which yeah. means actors have to have built the that moment before so that you're just like you're off and running um i will say this uh a lot of quentin tarantino movies have kind of lessons about acting or the industry mm-hmm. um in Inglorious Bastards, um, it's all, you know, there's, you know, double agents and having to, you know, act and with the right accent and building that backstory. In Django, um, Christoph Waltz, uh, his character tells Django, it's like, you'll be where um, he tells him, it's like, you want, Jamie Foxx says, you want me to be a black slaver? slaver? It's like, that's like lower than low. And then the, um, oh, what the fuck is his name? Christoph like Waltz. Dr. Schultz. Oh, Dr. Schultz. He says, then that's the way you play him. It's like, yeah, like buy into that character, which is like what acting mm-hmm. is all about. In Pulp Fiction, um, that second scene where they're, um, yeah, John Volta and uh, um, Samuel Jackson, Samuel Jackson are on the way. They're like, you know, just shooting the shit, and then right before they go in, he's like, let's get into character. Um, just that line, and then they walk in, and it's just a completely different, yeah, vibe. And it's like, yeah, it's like people are different versions of themselves around different people and just a really high level um, performance to show that um, uh, uh, between John Travolta who goes like really quiet and kind of lets um, um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson kind of take the lead. And he's just like, I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. (laughs) Like we were just like talking about like, like foot massages right here. Um, just, and also uh, when they're when they're outside the apartment building, they're talking about uh I don't know if they're talking about Mia, but they're talking about how someone was on a pilot that yeah, didn't Mia. Yeah. yeah. That was so that was about Mia. Yeah. yeah, he's like, well, you know, based on that pilot, they like more shows. Um, yeah. like a little little lesson that uh <laughs> that yeah. maybe in the nineties people didn't really know. Um yeah, high level stuff. Really good you know kind of what you're talking about the diner scene with the conversation about um the milkshake i kind of use that because mia calls it out it's like no one wants to talk about you know the weather or the traffic or whatever and i kind of use that when i talk to people i kind of go right to what i really want to know because what's uh, who am i I'm, i'm not gonna ask anything offensive but he's just like i heard you did a pilot and he's like and they talk about that he's like can i try that you know, um, he tries the milkshake. He's like, that's yeah. exactly what he wanted to know in that moment. And that's yeah. kind of how I, oh, 
since I, and then he, when she comes back from the bathroom, oh, what do you think about your husband throwing so-and-so out of the window because he touched your feet? He's like, it touched my feet. Those are real conversations yeah. about that. John Travolta really wanted to know. And I've kind of used that whenever I talk to people, new people and like catching up because honestly, we don't have a lot of time when we hang out and I don't yeah. want to just talk about meaningless BS. I want to know, uh, the heart of what's going on in your life uh, yeah. or what I really want to know in the moment. So just really cool, really cool movie. It is really good. It's very inspirational. Um, The other, the other thing I'll say about Tarantino is like, <clears throat> it's hard for me to pick his move. One of his movies. um, Cause I cycle through them. And it's not like with any other director, but I, I just cycle through his movies and there's usually one that I'll watch more than the others. So there was a, you know, for a while it was Django. I was like, that's the best one. Mm -hmm. And then hateful eight came out and it was like, uh, I, for whatever reason, I, there are aspects of that movie that I really like. I used to watch really Hateful like Eight a lot, and I thought people did not give it enough credit. I thought it's just yeah. so good, and I was, and it's like, yeah, we could say the other other ones are better, but this is the one I'm choosing to watch repeatedly. And then that, then I went through some phases where I was like watching the earlier stuff. I rewatched Reservoir Dogs. I, I've seen all those movies multiple times, and uh, I will also say that recently, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I've been watching that. It wasn't even my favorite Tarantino film when I saw it the first time. I, I thought it was really good. But now that like I've watched it multiple times, it's it might be his like, um, you know, if you think of, if you were to describe a, a dessert as like really rich and complex, like <clears throat> I would describe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in that way, where there's just like so much, so much depth, but in such it's so concentrated that I don't think you can get it all at once. I think you have to watch it multiple times and it's like, man, like there's so much going on here and here and here. And um, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, where like, I still have, when I think of Hollywood and stuff, like, you know, I, there's still this like affinity about it. And like, just this like glow when you think about it, where it's just like, man, that like, despite all the hardship and like all that, like there's still that, magic about it and you feel it at yeah. the end when he gets invited into the gate where it's like yeah, yeah. he's he's finally in like or he's back in or what however however it really um is meant to be yeah he he's part of he's he's part of that that community yeah. yeah he's in the inner circle yeah yeah those are good picks thank you very much uh let's just recap them real quick we were your, all over the place your number your number, your your ten through one. Okay, so my, the desert. Yep. Rocky Horror Picture Show, Inglorious Bastards, our only crossover. Streetcar Named Desire, Sideways, Star Wars: New Hope, Casablanca, Moulin Rouge, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Amelie. You had a really diverse, diverse uh, list. Mine, kind of one one note here. Pretty gritty stuff. <laughs> Will Hunting, Heat, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch. Inglorious Bastards, Big Lebowski, Django Unchained, Home Alone, Wolf of Wall Street, Pulp Fiction. What what a what a podcast! I know longest one I've recorded probably, but I you know I and 
you know, I think this was really fun. And part of why my list was so varied was uh, they all, you know, they mean different things to me. And, you know, uh, I thought it'd be fun to. No, I learned. I feel like I learned something about you. I definitely recommend Amelie when you have a chance, hunt that down. That do. I recommend that to anyone. Uh, that one holds up over time. It's really special. Um, but yeah, uh, fuck, it's just hit midnight for me. For me, <laughs> thank you so. Thank you for the East Coast. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no, this was good. This was perfect. This is what this is what I was hoping to have. And so, um, thank you everyone for listening. And I've we've <laughs> recorded another episode together. Where we talk about uh, directing, acting, and different perspectives on stuff. And there's more coming up. Stay tuned. Well, I'll I'll have you on again for sure. We'll do <laughs> in a, in two and a half months. We'll do top ten films of 2023. <laughs> <laughs> See if our lists change at all. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. See ya.